We're going to talk about marriage today, and maybe and everybody knows about marriage, and everybody knows about the cross of Jesus Christ, but hopefully we're going to put them together in a little unique way that maybe you haven't heard before, uh, such that it just shines a new, a new light on uh, a very, very important topic uh, uh, about relationships. So can we start with prayer? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for each person here. It's so great to be at Mount Hermon. It's so fun to be up here under the redwood trees, to hear this great preaching, to have great time, to have a family taken care of, especially for young families. This is so great. And Father, we've carved out time. This is an option. This is a breakout session. And we realize, God, that we don't have to be here. But I pray that you would honor those that are here with something from you today something that would just, it would bring glory to you and it'd be, bring blessing to them. Father, I pray that not one person would walk out of here without something that they can take away, that, that they could receive as a gift from you that will help them in their relationships as they move forward. And we just ask that you would do that now, for we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about the cross and we're going to talk about marriage. And we're going to talk about how these two things fit together. When we talk about uh, sacrifice and the cross is about sacrifice. Everybody good? Am I at the right place? Christian? Yeah. Christian? Or yeah. So we're talking about the cross and we're talking about how it can handle marriage. It turns out that if we are like Jesus in the sacrificial way that he was with us, if we are like that in our relationships, they go way better. In fact, I would say they're great. How many know that um, whenever you see uh, a movie from Hollywood, um, after they say, and they lived happily ever after, it doesn't go on very long. <laughs> Isn't that weird? So if, you, if you're into storyboarding and, and developing, you know, writing novels or, or uh, storyboarding for films, you know that you have to introduce the hero, the heroine, then what do you do? You give them a problem. And what if the hero or the heroine says, nah, I don't think so, and they roll the credits? Would that be a great movie? No. What makes a good movie is that they have to struggle. They have to work. They have to go and they, and all the way. And they kind of, you know, the, the really cool movies are the ones where it doesn't just like, woo, magic. The cool movies are the ones where they really struggle. And they struggle. They go up, but they also fall down. And then they go up, and then they, and they, they keep going. And eventually they get to what they call the climax of the movie. How many know that once you get to the climax of the movie, you know what that little piece is called? Some of you lit majors. It's called denouement. It's a short little tale. It just, it's like it, they wrap up really, really quickly. Why? Because you and I don't want to watch them brush their teeth and eat Cheerios and live happily ever after, like take the kids to school. That is not, that's not the best part of the movie. The best part of the movie is making it to the top. But how many know that that's not real. That the most of us live in the happily ever after section and we have to figure it out. We have to figure out how do we do life? How do we do this? And, um, and we find out that it's a struggle. And if you've been, I, I like to say when I uh, coach marriages all the time, I like to say, look, if you've, if you've been married three weeks, you've been hurt. 
Am I right? Yeah. Okay, three days, but whatever. Um, you, you've, it doesn't take that long before you have a breakdown in, in the marriage. And the biggest problem is because we start at the wrong place. Can you all just write that down if you're into the notes? You're, we're starting at the wrong place. How many know that most of us, without even trying, you don't even have to be carnal or bad or malicious or chainsaw massacre or anything. You don't have to be all on the dark side. Just be a normal person and you're probably, nine out of ten times, going to start at the wrong place. When you think about your relationships, who do we start with? Me! Somebody want to close in prayer? We start at the wrong place. Of course. How many know that we think of, if, if we were going to take a picture of this, you've seen this before, they put you at the center like you're the sun and all the planets, all the people, husband, wife, girlfriends, boyfriends, in-laws, outlaws, everybody's got a circle around you. We start, we start at, the, at that place. Now, this is not a Bible study, but it could be. Some of you guys are going to be like extra credit people and you're going to go actually look up this verse. What does James say? He starts out, he starts out not very nice. He says, hey, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't you know it comes from the battles within you? You want something and don't get it. You steal, steal and covet and you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight and it goes on and on. That's why you're having trouble. Why? Because you started with you. These are, this is warm-up. You guys, are, I, hopefully I haven't said anything new to anybody yet. I'm just setting you up for what I really want to say. This is what God is saying for somebody in this room today. You started at the wrong place. No wonder you're spiraling out. God loves you too much to, to not let you know that. To not, to not help you understand that, oh, what would it look like if we started with Christ? How many know, just imagine the next wedding you go to. Wouldn't this be cool? They don't know it. You whisper, you know, one of those. You hit your spouse. Hey, they don't know it. But actually, God designed this to bring him glory. Not them. Am I right? Last time I checked. I promise you, when you are standing in front of God, family, and friends, can you remember that if you've been married? You thought it was wedding. Can I suggest it was closer to the other thing? It was closer to a funeral. Why? Because you're saying something like this, no matter what words you used, and don't you love all these spicy vows that people redo each other? But here's what you're basically saying. Whatever I am or ever hope to be, I give to you as a sacred trust, handle with care. Am I right? You laid it all down. You know, in sickness and health and richer and poorer. Yeah, you just add all that up and you basically laid it all down for the sake of others. Why? Because it doesn't start with us or end with us. Read the book of James. It's all about that. So we want to look at Christ's example. How many know that Christ is like the best example of almost anything you can imagine? Okay? Including this. 
including being a servant. Mark uh, 10.45 says that he didn't, he didn't come to, um, he came to serve, not to be served. He came to serve, not to be served. So that's why you got the, you got the picture there with Jesus washing the feet. It's always about the other person. Um, how many went to Sunday school when, from the time you can remember? Okay, there's like 10 of us. Okay, so maybe you remember this song. I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> Jesus, others, and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus, others, and you. In the heart of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others you see face to face. Y is for you, and whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. joy. <laughs> I know, it's Thursday. Put yourself last and spell joy. I want to suggest that sometimes we make Christianity too hard. Is that okay to say? Yes. Without getting kicked out of the room? Like, it's not how many people you led to Christ today. God's not holding something over your head and just asking you, oh, what you done for me lately? He's not like your boss. He, he it's like, I had a, a friend of mine he was, uh, he was in a situation that was a little tense, kind of uh, auditioning for a job as an executive coach in a church setting. And uh, they said, so what's the, most, what's the most important thing, you know, how do you know you're good with God? Or what's the most important thing at the end of the day, you know, when you sit back and reflect on your life? And he was brilliant. He said, I was surprised and I stole it because I thought it was great. I've been using it ever since for years. And he says, you know what? If you're good with God, you know, good with who God is, you don't have any sin against him. I mean, you and God are tight. You got are, if you're good with God, and if, and if you're good with the people around you, like there's not some big whatever, but, you, but your, your, your relationships are good with the people around you, and you're okay with yourself. You're okay with who God made you. You're not trying to be Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. You're just okay with who God made you. He says, if you're good with all that, you're, you're, you're good. Isn't that, isn't that great? Somebody just got some freedom in this room. Somebody was feeling, i got to believe in a room this size, that somebody was feeling like, I'm not doing enough or I'm not spiritual enough, or I'm not Mother Teresa enough, or I'm not whatever. And God's saying, no, I like you the way you are. I made you. Amen. We got a Baptist too. That's really good. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought of it was in the Baptist church when he first came in, because the back row filled up first. So I, uh, so. <laughs> it's like going back to my roots there. So we want to sacrifice like Jesus. How many know that Jesus understands this idea about giving up? Yeah, some of you guys recognize those passages. So Philippians 2, write that down. If you, if you don't believe me, write that down or circle it on your notes. Philippians 2 talks about the fact that Jesus gave up everything. Tomorrow we're going to talk about transition. That'll come back up again there. 
He gave up everything. Talk about a transition. Talk about a sacrifice. The king of glory. The one who created the heavens before the foundations of the world, you know, and just holds all things together, Colossians says, and just all that. He gave all that up. Which is why, at, at the end, every knee and tongue, uh, what, how's that go? Knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isn't that cool? So it goes full circle all the way back up. He goes all the way to the top. And he demonstrated his love. And again, this is just a warm-up. Most of us in this room hopefully know this, that God didn't just stand at heaven. He didn't just stand up there. He didn't just go, you idiots! Get your act together and then we'll talk. How many know he didn't say that? He comes down to earth as a baby, bumping just above the poverty line, doing his life, having his ministry, going to the cross, sacrifice, sacrifice. And Romans, Romans says it's as clear as anywhere. But while we were still sinners, while we were far away from God, while we were shaking our puny little fist in his face, while we were going off doing our own thing and our own idolatry and all, all sorts of forms, while we were doing that, Christ was dying for us. How many know that when he was on the cross, they weren't going, oh, thank you, thank you, Jesus. That's not what was happening, was it? What was happening? They were throwing things at him. They were yelling at him. They were hurling insults at him. And he was dying for your sin and for my sin. That's the kind of sacrifice Christ did, and it's the kind of sacrifice that we need to start, to start to understand. I wonder what it would look like if we did some of that in our relationships. And so I'm going to ask you, I know we're not, done with the, we're not done with the workshop, but let's just pause, see law, interlude, whatever. Let's just pause and ask ourselves, so what about us? What could we lay down? What could we give up? What could we die to that would benefit one another? And I hope the Holy Spirit will help us ask that question through the rest of our time, our moments together here. What is it that we could do sacrificially that would be bring glory to God and benefit to those around us, beginning with our spouse, beginning with those closest. You see, remember what I said, a wedding in some ways is this grand glorious thing. I've done many, many, many weddings and they're so fun and they're so great and they're so beautiful and they're so whatever. But can I suggest that a true believer who understands what we're talking about here also understands that a wedding is at a time to lay it all down. Notice the casket. Christ came to serve and give his life as a what? As a ransom for many. I caught just the end of the talk this morning. To Stelestai, paid in full, all that, right? Paid in full. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. And that's what he's calling us to do in relationships. What's the biggest problem with being a servant? Anybody know? 
You've heard this before. What's the biggest problem with being a servant? Is when they treat you like one. Anybody ever heard that? That's the biggest problem. What if you do this heroic thing and everybody just goes, yes! That's great. Huge sacrifice. And that's mostly what we want to be about. Encouraging each other. And lifting each other when we do great stuff. But what if somebody doesn't, do, doesn't jump down, doesn't jump up and down saying how great you are? You see, it's going to be making those sacrifices. How many, have, uh, how many know that uh, a lot of people made sacrifices for spouses and for families and friends during COVID? I had a friend who had a wife with an immune deficiency thing. And they, they, they're still in lockdown. If she gets a bug, she dies kind of thing. And, and he, I just, I look at him with amazing, amazement. It's like, I, I want to be like you when I grow up. Just so sacrificial for her benefit. I watch my dad, my mom and dad, they're getting up there. Dad's 93, mom's 94. I'll put my dad up against any guy in the room for how he loves her right now. And, and it's not pleasant, it's not pretty. She can barely walk, has to lift her up, has to do the stuff. How many know that, how many know he's, every time he does that, it's like laying down again? I'm not there, are you there? I'm, I, just, I just think that's so amazing. When I see people really laying it down in that self-sacrificing way, it just makes you want, and you, then you look at the relationship, the result of that kind of sacrifice, and you go, I want that. How many know that, um, anybody remember Dave Talbot, uh, the musician here for years and years? He was one of my best friends. He's the reason I'm in the Bay Area. Every time I came up and do a seminar, I'd hang out with him for a couple of days. He was so great, but it was so funny because remember how he could do this amazing thing about taking songs that people just throw out from the audience? Yeah. Hey, here's my favorite. Oh, I love Jesus and make that into a concert. Okay. And so he does this. He take all these hymns and all these songs about Jesus and make them into a concert on the fly, on the spot. And then somebody would come up at the end, almost invariably at the end. And because I was a good friend, I was hanging out with him at the end and I would hear people say things like this. Wow, I wish I could play like you. And he told me that he tries to be very gracious in those moments. But he told me later, he says, actually, they don't wish they could play like me or they would have put in the time on the piano bench like I did. If they actually wanted to play like me. Am I catching everybody? How can I treat and serve my spouse is more important than myself. How many know that uh, Romans 12.10 talks about preferring one another in love? I just think that, I just think that, it's, that is so, so important. To prefer one another. To make it about the other person. Somebody write this down. Her first. 
or him first, depending on who you are, right, in the relationship. What would it look like to give them the best or the first or the most, the most consideration, the biggest piece of steak, well, um, whatever, right? What would that look like? Try it. If you're not used to that, if you're not used to that in your relationship, you're going to surprise somebody. Somebody's going somebody's to go, what just happened? They're always thinking about them when it comes to this area of our life, you know, whether it's food or sex or sleep or hygiene or whatever, they, it's always about them. What if we said, God, would you help me to do something? And why not start here? Oh my goodness, start it at Mount Hermon. How many know that uh, people make life change here? Is this one of the best places for life change that you know of? Let's start right here. Somebody's going to do something. I don't know which one of you it's going to be, but somebody's going to do something different today and surprise their spouse or surprise their boyfriend or girlfriend. You're going to surprise someone because you're going to do something different. You're going to prefer them. Prefer them. Um, and then we live at the end of the mind. How many know that Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was looking for something to do on a Friday? Good Friday. Anyway, that's not why he went. He was not not looking for something to do on the weekend. He was doing something that he had in mind since the foundations of the world, that we would have a possibility of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that we would be able to have a relationship with God so that we could be with him forever and ever and ever. And the book of Hebrews says, it's for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame. Can I suggest we do that in our marriage? It's for the joy set before him. It's not just, I'm gonna be a martyr. It's for the joy set before him. What is it that we were looking for? How many know what the first, what the first, uh, Two words that you hope to hear from God are when you come through the pearly gates. Some of you guys know your Bible. That's very good. Can I tell you that's very weird? Hi. Well done. That was weird. We don't even know each other. Do we know each other? Yeah. This was not a setup. Well, we don't know each other. Well done doesn't make any sense unless there's been an assignment given. How about that? Yes? So I asked him if he would set up the whole room and make sure that all the people got here, and he did it, and I'm going, well done. Now it makes sense. Can I suggest the same thing is true with our God? Most of us are, most of us just need to be reminded that that's actually what we want to hear. If you hear anything else before well done, you might want to run the other way. Like, what if Jesus comes up to you and go, hey, do we know each other? Absolutely. That, yeah, yes, you hope so. <laughs> but if Jesus has to ask that question, I'm starting to get concerned. If Jesus has to say, do we know each other? Am I right? That's going to be weird. Some of you are going to have fun with that today. Do we know each other? If God has to come up to you 
you've been hanging out and doing your own thing and making it all about you and you just it, and, and then you show up to heaven and go here I am you lucky guy and Jesus goes do we know each other that is not a good start for eternity not at all you want to hear well done why because I operated in my marriage in such a way that I present presented my bride <clears throat> to be all that God intended her to be. Why? Because I'm responsible for that. And brides, you too. That he would be all that God intended for him to be. And God looks at him and goes, well done. We're looking for that, aren't we? So my son, he passed away, but my son uh, had a ski boat. And his family and the family, of course, the little kids even learned how to ski and, well, sort of, kind of. And so, so, you know, we would love, we were not a boating kind of a family, uh, but when he got a ski boat, we became uh, a boating kind of family. In fact, um, house boating, just all that, the whole world opened up to us. How many know that when a ski boat goes through the water, it leaves a wake? And when I saw that, I was thinking about that one day. I was going, because, you know, they have this cool stuff. Where you can make the wakes, wakes even more than they should be, whatever. You know, the way you trim the whatever it's called. And, and you can just make big wakes so people can wakeboard off the back and all that. And there's, there's, something, there's something about the boat is going to a destination. There's a, there's, there's a destiny there's somewhere it's headed. Where's your marriage headed? Do you know that somebody in the room needs to figure that out? Hopefully it's not over the over 60 crowd. But, you know, it might be. Like, do you know where your marriage is headed? Do you know where it's going to go? If I said, where do you want to see your marriage in five, what do you want to see or to be true about your marriage in five years? Could you tell me? What about 10 years? Where is your marriage going? How many know that if you don't have a destination, uh, we're going to wander around? It's not going to be very fun. Uh, what's that old saying? We use it at our house all the time. Maybe you use something like this too. If you continue in the direction you're going, you'll end up where you're headed. That's very profound. <laughs> if you continue it, in the direction that you're going, you will end up where you're headed, wherever that is. So do we know where we're going? You know what would be very cool for some of you couples to take a little walk this afternoon down by the creek and say, so, have we ever made a statement for our marriage? Like, what are our values? What do we care about? Where do we want this thing to go? And then some of the rest of us need to also look at back and look at the wake and say, Here's another way to think about it. It's just two ways to think about the same thing. What do we want to leave behind? I worked with a lawyer, and I promise I'm not that kind of guy, but I worked with a lawyer, you know, as a pastor, like what lawyer? He was a, one of these um, lawyers that works with uh, trusts and, and all that. And he says, you know, Paul, everybody's very, very concerned about handing down their monetary value in ways that bless the uh, future generations. Everybody's very interested in that. He says, what I'd like to do is I'd like to add value to that by saying, what are some of the characteristics in this family that we want to be sure to pass on? 
Wouldn't that be cool? What if you sat down with your spouse and kind of, you know, we're a, we're a, we're a musical family. We're a sports family. We're a ministry family. We're, we're a foodie family. <laughs> uh, who are you and what do you, what, what do you guys hold to, to be valuable and what would you like to pass on to the next generation? So in ours, um, one thing that we are consciously passing down is the idea of uh, gardening. So my dad was a gardener and I don't know, nobody in town could make tomatoes grow like my dad. You know, one of those guys. His tomatoes were always the best. They still are, and he's 93. And everybody, he's got this garden at the uh, senior living center where they're going, and everybody going, so, Harlan, how's your garden? And, and how are the tomatoes? And, and he puts them out, and people can take them to their, their different uh, rooms and apartments and whatever. And he's, he's like the hero, because he can grow tomatoes. And, and he's passed that down to me, and I'm all about, I used to be about landscaping, that's because I was strong, now I'm not as strong, so now it's about gardening. And um, <laughs> I saw you smile, yeah. So I'm starting to refine it a little bit, but anyway, I'm working with the plants more, and, and my little grandson, he's, he is, we call him the drip master. You know, California, you gotta save the water. So he and his mom planted my son's back, backyard. My son died in the, in the backyard and they didn't want it to be a place of death, they wanted it to be a place of life. And it's amazing, I can tell you more about that tomorrow. But, but, but they planted all this stuff and, and he, he's like seven, eight years old and he has dripped every last plant all over that, it's a big yard. He's, we're passing that on as a legacy. What are you passing on? What about your family? Now, there's consequences if we don't. Um, you can just see there, I don't need to read all those to you. But this is, this is the, these are the consequences. Um, I work with a lot of marriages, and right now I'm working with three divorce situations. Uh, one lady decided that she thought her husband wasn't loving enough, or or didn't give her what she needed enough, and God wants her to be happy. How many know God wants us to be happy? Good, I'm glad we're not seeing a lot of hands on that, because there's a whole book, Gary Thomas, write it down if you need this. God is not, uh, God didn't, get, the primary purpose of marriage is not to make us happy. It's, the primary purpose is to make us, does anybody happen to know? Holy. Holy. Knock the rough edges off. Oh man, I thought it was going to be fun. No, it's not going to be fun. No, it's, it's, God is going to, God is going to knock the rough edges off of you and me. The one thing about my daughter going up and down the West Coast, guess what? She's single. She can go wherever she wants, stay as long as she wants, drive wherever she wants. She gets tired. She doesn't like that person. She doesn't like this hotel. She doesn't, she doesn't have to worry about anything or answer to anybody. She's just Try doing that same trip all up and down the West Coast, married. <laughs> Different story. I don't like pancakes. Okay, we'll go to Taco Bell. Whatever. You've got to, you've got to adjust. You've got to give things up. You've got to make, you've got to make allowances. Um, just, yeah, the divorce thing is, is just so, um, so prevalent 
I wrote down some other stories here. Oh, this is a good one. I rented all kinds of stories. This is an interesting one. I'm dealing with a situation right now where there's going to be a divorce and the husband and wife are so vitriolic. They're so angry at each other. They're trying to do whatever they can to ruin each other's lives. So guess what? I've never seen this happen. I've been a pastor a long time. I've never seen this specific thing. Somebody called in for a prayer request to the church. And he says, my pray for my daughter. She's going through an excruciating time because of her, because of the uh, decimation that she's experiencing from her son, who happens to go to your church. That got my attention. And then he starts ripping into this guy. And of course, it's anonymous and confidential prayer request coming in. Have you ever called up somebody's church and Oh, my word. Uh, here's another one. I had a guy sit across from me in my office, and he said, No, Paul, I feel like God wants me to move to Texas. I said, Really? Help me understand. How did God speak to you? How, does, how, does that, how did that work? How did that come to you? I just I felt like, you know, the economy or whatever. I'm supposed to move to Texas. I said, so, so he went on for a little while, and then I said, So how's your wife doing? She doesn't want to go. This is, this is a year or so, a couple years ago. But I'm going. If she wants to join me later, that's up to her. But I'm doing it. And he moved to Texas by himself. Can I suggest that if we're not going to be sacrificial, you may not have those wild and crazy things happen, but you're going to have things happen like that that are going to be a problem down the road. There are consequences to not doing it the way Christ does it. Well, what are the benefits? We'll, we'll end with this. What are the benefits? Well, you, you build. You, you build one another up. God expects us each, especially since we've been in a seminar like this in a Mount Hermon place this week, God expects us to actually do what he says. Like that forgiveness thing you heard this morning? Yeah, we have to actually do it. Not just talk about it, not think about it, not understand it. We have to actually do it. We'll talk about some of that uh, more tomorrow when we talk about going through hard times. How do you actually do it? Um, and... Uh, and then it, what it does, it develops an outward mindset. Who are some of the most, uh, who are some of the most um, sacrificial people you know? Who are some of the most sacrificial people you know, like in your church, your home, school, your, in your community? Sometimes it's the people that have had to do the hardest things. Am I right? They've done studies on this. I'm, I'm not a psychologist. But there's something about having a special needs child. There's something about going through a health thing. I had a lady come up to me last week. She says, Paul, I can't believe what God is doing in me. Well, I happen to know a little background on her. She's in chronic pain 
with just about everything you could name. And she said, I have had to learn over these last years that everything is a decision. Am I going to choose to celebrate who God is and what God has given me, or am I going to choose to dwell on what I don't have? And she's amazing. And she is, she is, she is helping all of us around her understand this concept because she's in such pain. You and I, you and I are going to, you know, when we get all done here, we're going to stand up and walk out. That's not her. She's got to got to get ready for that whole stand up and walk out of the room thing. Because everything hurts. I mean, the toes, the, just everything. And she's developing this outward mindset, this grateful mindset. How many know that we're here to bring God glory? How many know we're here to bring God pleasure? You've heard a lot of that this week, probably. But how many, how many of us do that? What's one way you could give God glory in your relationship today? With your gratitude, with lifting, uh, lifting each other up. By the way, for some of you, it's Ephesians 4.29. Everybody know that verse. If you don't, if you're married and you don't know that verse, write that down and memorize it before the end of, end of business day. Yeah, you definitely want to know that verse. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. If that was, it turns out that's why God gave us language, is to build each other up, not just to pass information. What if everything that came out of our mouths that didn't build somebody up was erased? If you got a quirky sense of humor, you'd come up with something like the silent planet. Do you realize all the people saying all the things in all the languages around the world, if you took out everything that was cutting, dismissive, pejorative, putting people down, if you took in business, especially in business, but anywhere, if you took all that out, how, much, how many words would be left? Am I making any sense? What if we did that in your marriage? You can blame me. Say, yeah, it's all Pastor Paul's fault. What if, what if I came around to your marriage? Not today. You guys look all like hip and cool today. But what if I caught you not like in a seminar? What if I caught you Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock? What would that look like? And we took all the dismissive, ugly, self self-important words out of the equation between you and your spouse, what would be left? Anything? We're actually here to bring God glory and to please Him. And then the result is that we benefit one another. Amen? Does everybody get something? You can't leave until you have something.
Uh, let me just uh, plug, uh, promote uh, tomorrow and, um, and, and then the speed coaching and I'll let you go. Tomorrow we're going to talk about life transitions. Every year I come up here, I look at life transitions, which we're all either in or have been, are in or will be. We're all going to have life transitions. It's called change, and we're talking about the big things of life. And we're going to talk about that from the standpoint of how the cross can help us cross that transition or make that transition complete. So I'd love to see any of you that uh, would dare to come back again tomorrow, same time, same station. And then also, if you would like to do speed coaching, speed coaching, they uh, announced it from the front and I've already filled up for today, but I do, I do have like three or four spots for tomorrow. And speed coaching is out under the rubbed trees uh, in front of the auditorium there and the benches where we, we can't talk about the whole world, but what, what's one thing that we could talk about that we could go to God for some wisdom on that would get us unstuck and move forwarding in that area. So if you're interested in that, please see me right after our workshop and I'll sign you up until I don't have any slots left. Can I pray? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for each one in this room. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be together. It's so good to see that you have given us really, really practical ways that we, things we can do, things that we can give up, things that we can say or not say, things that perspectives we can have on putting ourselves behind and preferring others in love. Give us, give us these things in order to bring glory to you. So our marriage sparkles before the throne of God because God, you are the audience of one and it, it really what matters ultimately is what matters to you. And so Father, I pray that our marriages would be a thing of beauty for you. God, I thank you that you, there is forgiveness. We were talking about it this morning, full and complete forgiveness. It's never too late to start. It's never too late to hit the reboot. It's never too late to come back to you and back to one another because you're an infinite, awesome God, the God of the second chance, the God who, who sees us not as we, as we see ourselves, but as we really are um, in relationship with you, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do supernatural things and act in supernatural ways in our relationships and especially those closest relationships that you've given us. God, would you help us with that? We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thank you.